Hi guys, today I'm joined with John Okafor, who most of you probably already know. Um, how's it going? I'm good, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah, really good, thanks. Um, so just jumping right into it, um, to begin with, like, what's your sort of story as a rugby player like, um, and how have things gotten to here? So I think I took a pretty unconventional route into rugby. So I started playing rugby when I was 14, 15, and I transitioned from basketball into rugby. So before that, I'd played four sports. So like rugby's actually my fifth sport. So I've always been like an athlete, sportsman sort of guy, sporting kid. And I remember what happened was my school had introduced rugby and the PE teacher had played rugby before. And he said to me that, John, you're literally like perfect for rugby. And you got perfect build height. And I was a bit like, I'm in an R in because I, as far as I knew, the only bit of rugby I was aware of was like a little bit of Six Nations. And like, like everyone gets in a bit of a frenzy, you know, at that time of the year, that's probably when rugby in the UK gets the most attention outside World Cups. But I didn't really know the rules and I was a bit naive. I thought rugby was like the English version of American football or something like that. So, yeah. And just from there, I just picked up like my parents like weren't really keen on it. Obviously, like, my background, like rugby wasn't really a thing. Then as they saw me get good and like, I was getting called into like county stuff at the time. Then I got invited to join the junior EPDG program at Harlequins when I was 15. And from there, I progressed through the club and I was signing my first uh, professional contract at 18 when I finished school. I went to college because I got a rugby scholarship when I was 16. And I was there for a season. Didn't go as planned, I had a knee injury three, four, min four months into the season. And by that time, before I knew it, I was getting told I was being released in um, January whilst I was injured. So it was a bit of a rough time for me personally. And uh, that's how I ended up at Leeds Beckett. Yeah, yeah. Movie. Yeah, thanks for that. And like, um, what, what was it like at Harlequins for you, just like the whole environment, um, like what sort of stuff were you doing? Like, was it rugby all day? Were you enjoying it? Were you bored? Like, how was it? So when I was at Harlequins at the time, you know, it was it was, uh, it was a great experience. I enjoyed it. You know, I enjoyed my time there. I wish I was, I had an opportunity to like stay there longer and like develop more as a player. I think that my injury really derailed what I could have offered, you know, like sport is a very, very cutthroat business. You know, one injury, like, that's it. Like, you know, you, there's very few opportunities and opportunities and chances are few and far between. And, you know, when I was there, I think like, I can remember it. So pre-season started in the middle of July. So I finished my A-levels, came in for some medicals and boom, straight away, middle of July, you're in. And the pre-season's from middle of July all the way up to the first week of September when the season starts. And it was pretty, it's pretty intense, you know, like they demand a lot of you from the jump. There's no bleeding in period. There's no time where you get used to it. Like they're, they're expecting you to be of a certain standard at that level. Then 
you go from there. So you, you got to hit the ground running, and it can be it can be tough. You know, it, the days are pretty early. You, the days are pretty early, and they can get long. Like you could be in from like eight, half seven, all the way up until like two, half two, sometimes three o'clock. So like you are physically active. You are you know you are in the building. You are in the training facility for a significant portion of your day you know it's not just play rugby go gymming that's it and how did you find it like integrating with the senior players um it must have been like quite scary at the time you know i can't really speak on other clubs but quins were really good with young guys integrating with the senior players like at the time you know you still got like joe marla danny care Rob Shaw at the time I was there, like those sort of guys, Jamie Roberts was there, and they're really good at getting those lads, young boys, like integrated into the system. We train together. I know at certain clubs, the academy trains separate from the first team. You know, I have my own personal opinions on that. I don't think that's really good for development because you do end up having like a split in the squad. But at Quinn's, we trained together. We was one club. That was the image from day dot. We're one club. And, you know, you're one or two injuries away from being on the bench or having to play. So, you know, it was important for them, for all the young guys to be up to speed, integrated, know who's who and stuff like that. So they were really good on that side. And then getting injured, like, that must have just been terrible. Like, how did you find that? How did you deal with it at the time? Um, yeah, like, what were you sort of feeling? I think the time of the injury was... It was, it was terrible. So like three, four weeks prior, I made my first team debut and I was I was in a real high. I was playing really well. Um, like uh, all the limit, limited minutes and you know, in the review after those sort of games, they're saying that, that, that we were impressed. You had a good 20 minutes, just look to build and look to get some more minutes this season. And, you know, I was in a real high and like I was starting to really like find my feet and get gather some momentum. But like my injury came a week before Christmas and that really just like derailed everything. Like I hadn't I hadn't played much at that point, you know. I hadn't got I hadn't played as much as I thought I was going to play through like different circumstances, which we could get into. But when that injury came, it was just like a big setback for me mentally, because I was thinking I was starting to find my feet and I'm really starting to like impress coaches here and just to get an injury like that that kept me out for three, three and a half months. It was it was pretty it was pretty gutting, to be honest. Pretty gutting. Yeah. And um what what was the injury and like how did it happen? So I tore my MCL, my left knee, and how it happened was we were doing some we were doing a team run for A League fixture and I got up in the lineup a thousand times like I normally do. And just this time, I, like, I came down a bit harder than normally. Knee goes, and then I'm getting a, I, 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 can't, I can't even walk. I'm in a lot of pain. They, I hobbled off to the physio room. They checked my, they checked my stuff. And um, they say, yeah, I think you've done your MCL, mate. Whisked away to see a knee consultant two days after I have an MRI scan. Confirms what we already know. So you're looking around. 12 to 16 weeks sort of thing, 10 if I'm lucky. And did 
when they said they weren't going to keep you, like, did you feel betrayed at all? Like, were you expecting them to? Or? So I think at the time, you know, I was having lots of chats with my agent and I was asking them, like, speak to them, like, find out what's, what's the situation. And they kept coming back saying that they were really impressed with how I've gone in my first year. They thought, like, they didn't expect me to improve as as quickly as I did. They thought I'd be a little bit of a slow, slower burner sort of player before I, like, hit the ground running. And they said, like, the whole club's been, like, pleasantly surprised how well you've improved since you've been, like, available. So I, at the time, I thought, OK, you know, I, I, I thought I was going to stay. He said, I, I respect you, Tim, to offer you, offer you another contract. Like majority, like, majority of the support staff and players, like, like were, thought I was going to stay. They were really surprised when I got released. And, like, at the time, like, Graham Roundtree was a uh, Fours coach. And he said if it was up to me, him, he would have kept me and stuff like that. So I was, I was feeling really, really confident going to, like, contract renewal talks. So when I found out, like, it was, it was, I remember the meeting, like, it was yesterday... It was brief, I don't know, probably five minutes. Probably the chat was couldn't be longer than five minutes. And a lot of it was just, we haven't seen enough of you to make a decision. So we're just going to let you go and stuff. And we, you know, it was, it was pretty gutting, to be honest. And I don't know, betrayal, I don't know if betrayal would be the right word, but... I feel like I didn't get a fair crack of the whip is probably how I felt. And yeah, it it, it was a it was a tough time for me personally and uh, mentally, like I was in a it was a, I was in a really horrible spot when I was nineteen when I found out I was getting released, you know, I was still injured. I was barely halfway through my injury when I found out I wasn't getting kept. Yeah, and like during that period, just talk to me more about how you felt and then how that eventually led you going to Leeds Beckett. So, like, I think, you know, I'm not, I'm never one to self-diagnose mental health. Like, mental health is a very, very um, close-to-heart issue. You know, I've lost a friend to it, but I think, you know, I look back at it, I was definitely depressed at the time, you know, I didn't really know what I was going to do next. I come straight out of school, straight into rugby, and I thought this was what I was going to do for the next however many sort of years. And, like, you know, I was getting myself mentally prepared. Like, this is going to be what my career is going to look like for the next 8, 10, 15 years if I'm lucky. So I was just getting myself ready for that. So when I did get released, it was a bit like, oh, crap what do I do now sort of thing and my agent at the time you know we spoke to a couple clubs and you know I think at the time I was I had a few interests um Wasp, Bath, Bath ended up offering me a contract at the time and that's when at that same point these Beckett came in and they said look why do you not come on a rugby scholarship here you get a degree playing Buck Super Rugby Bucks with rugby was probably in like year two, I think. Year two at the point. And it was one of, it was like it was a league that was finding its feet at the time. So it was a bit of a, a bit of a gamble, really. And yeah, I said, you know what? Let me go get a degree. Like 
you know, I was like, yeah, and my support systems at the time, um, my parents and stuff like that, they were really, really helpful in terms of like making sure like, yeah, that's, I, I was doing a good decision and the decision I was making was smart. So would you say it's then it's, it was the right decision to go to Leeds Beckett rather than take the Bath contract? I think I look back at it now and I look at where everything is in terms of COVID and like the state of rugby right now. I think unless you're coming out of school, not not necessarily the finished article, but very close to it, university, you know, isn't a bad option. I think it's an option I think now is being pushed quite a lot. Because if you look at the, the state of the game now, like COVID has absolutely just like ravaged finances across the, like the Premiership, the Championship, even the National Leagues. Like, like big salaries just aren't there anymore. You know, budgets are tight. And if you're like 2021, then you know you've been in the academy for like two or three years and get released. You know, it, it'd be hard. It's, it's it's a very hard place to pick up another contract right now. Having a degree in your back pocket is one of the things that if rugby doesn't work out for you or you're lucky enough to have a career in rugby, unless you're top, top England international for many years, you probably won't make enough money to retire from rugby and um, to retire from work, from rugby. Sorry. So getting that degree is one of them things that just gives you another door, another opportunity and another outlet. And talk to me um, about Buck Super Rugby. Like, what are, how are all the teams in there run? Um, what's it sort of like? Because I feel like university rugby has cha- it's changed quite a lot over the last few years. So I feel like it's not as respected as it might be in the next few years. So, yeah, just talk to me about that. So I think, you know, I've come in, I come in into Buck Super Rugby in its infancy. Probably like they were, uh, when I came in, it was the third season they've been running that super rugby league. And again, it was just trying to, they were just trying to get their name out there. And it like rugby now is, especially at university level, it started to evolve. Like it is as close to full-time rugby as you're probably going to get without being at a big club right now. You know, you're looking at the SNC programs, the coaching, the amount of times you're training, the competitiveness of the fixtures, the standards, now I've seen I've been involved in it from 19. I'm now 23 when I'm, I'm and I'm leaving and I'm exiting and I've just seen the standard just improve year on year on year. And now we're starting to get like some success stories. We're starting to get some really big names come from it. You know, you look at Fitz Harden. He was at Durham, who is the starting back row at Bristol Bears now. Alex Dombrant, Everyone knows who that guy is. He's he's England's first choice eight. Luke, Luke Northmore, you know, he's getting called up, you know, Tom Pearson from Cardiff Met. So there's a uh, there's loads of lads coming in from that university system. So it's now becoming the next way to the path to professionalism. And I think it's it's a great league and it's it's doing it's doing amazing things. And to see where it's gone from in the last four years. I think the league is going to be, you know, in the next five, six years, it's going to be up up there as one of the, probably the number one route a lot of professional, young professional players are going to take to get to the top. 
Yeah, and I think like a lot of people listening to this will be at the age where they're maybe looking at university. Um, so like in terms of like the setups, is that like is it all the teams in that league? Would you say it's just the top teams, or like some teams run worse? Obviously, you might not know, but just like like roughly, what do you think? Do you think they're all like that professionally run? Um, yeah, I could absolutely say you know across the league that run as full-time programs. If you look right right through one, from team one to team 10, every team has some sort of pathway or link with a premiership academy now. Premiership academies are seeing the value of Buck Super Rugby. For example, Cardiff Met have a partnership with Harlequins, Exeter Uni and Exeter Chiefs. They had seven players play in the Buck Super Rugby final on Wednesday. Durham have Newcastle Falcons, Loughborough have Leicester Tigers, Bath have Bath, Hartley have Gloucester and Worcester. So uh, like here at Leeds Beckett, we've got a pathway set up with Cell Sharks now. So it is they're all starting to become run as professional, like sub-academies is probably the best way to describe it. Like universities now just become a sub-academy. Um yeah, that's really interesting. And like, it'll be interesting to see in 10 years from now how like Buck Super Rugby is run and like, especially with the number of people watching it because it's quite an exciting league, I think. So yeah. um, especially if like more money keeps getting pumped into it, I think a lot more people will keep watching it. Um, yeah. Just to finish up, what's your sort of uh, advice to young players? I think for young players, if you're, you know, if you're coming out of the academy system and, you know, you might have only had, you might have been signed for a year or two or you, you missed out on that first professional contract. There are other pathways. I think rugby is a late development sport. Like you, it's not uncommon, uncommon to hear lads breaking through at 24, 25, even 26 in rugby before, you know, they really start to pay dividends. It's just, it's just the nature of the sport. So it is a case of to stay, stay ready, stay, stay hungry. As, you know, it sounds a bit like a cliche, but as long as you're always working on your craft and you're always improving, that's all you can really do. Like I've seen like what it's like to be at the top, then come out then be on the outside trying to get back in. And as long as you're just working hard and you're just staying true to yourself and you're just, you know, you're just trying to just make sure when that next opportunity comes, you're ready to do it, then you'll be in a good place. Like don't think you're, it's all over 20 because you don't have a contract to your name.